Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes. Let's go. Let's go to, I'm assuming, Switzerland. Yes. We are doing the 1935 movie Bride of Frankenstein. After recovering from injuries sustained in a mob attack upon himself and his creation, Dr. Frankenstein falls under the control of his former mentor, Dr. Pretorius. Pretorius. Yeah, I almost did the general's name. I did it the entire time. Pretorius. (laughs) Yeah. Who insists Frankenstein resume his experiments in creating new life. What? What? Could could go go wrong. wrong. The particulars. The bride. We're doing the bride of Frankenstein. Yes, we are. (laughs) Oh, did you already say that? (laughs) It's all right. We're glad you're with us. Great, I'm here. It had its premiere in Chicago on April nineteenth, nineteen thirty-five. And it came out in the rest of the United States April 20th, 1935. How odd. So it came out on 420. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I still think it's funny because this it's such a Halloween film. Mm-hmm. And that was the same with Nosferatu. Nosferatu came out at a weird time where it was just, oh. I, maybe Halloween wasn't that big of a thing i don't think they were trying to make halloween films yeah right right they were just trying to make horror movies mm-hmm. yeah 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 i say yeah that's it that's the ticket the original frankenstein just to remind you came out november 21st 1931 so this is the sequel to that it came out yes. four years later starts um, right at the end of that one yeah so more on right that. back up there's a tasty nugget on that It was produced by Carl Lemley Jr. He was the son of Carl Lemley, who founded Universal Studios. Jr. ran the studio from 1928 to 1936. During that time, he was uh, the studio did Frankenstein, All Quiet on the Western Front, Dracula, The Mummy and the 1934 version of The Imitation of Life. So the OG original. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And I don't. Oh, man. Ah, uh, I don't know if it's still around, but there was a Lemley's theater chain in California that it would play kind of the smaller independent films. So that's where I always knew the name. And then I was like, oh, Lemley. Um, it's directed by James Whale. He's an English director. He directed the first one, Frankenstein. Also, The Invisible Man, The Old Dark House, Nerd Alert. He was captured by the Germans in World War One. And during that time, he was a pris- in the prisoner of war camp. That's when he found out that he was very interested in drama. Which, hmm. okay, there's a lot of drama going on. And I, this I, is where we get drama. Let's put on a show. Got to put on a show. That was, I think, also last week. Somebody yeah. was, like got into it in there. Yeah. Um, he was an openly gay man in the 1930s, um, which p- 
probably contributed to the decline in his career. He was played by Sir Ian McKellen in the 1998 film Gods and Monsters. Have you watched that? I did. I watched it after we had done Frankenstein. Oh, I wanted to watch it this week. I watched Gods and Monsters. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's one of those, uh, films where it's, it's just very small. It's like Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser, and it's just kind of the two of them. I just wanted to watch it for Brendan Fraser. Ah, then yes, you should. It's just, it just very, it's very interesting. Um, the screenplay is by William Horlbutt, who also- Horlbutt? Oh no! It's Hurlbutt. Whirlbutt. It's probably Hurlbutt. 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 He wrote the 1934 imitation of life. He also wrote the play Lilies of the Field. Um, that went on to be a movie with us. One Sydney Poitier. Yeah. The story is by William Hurlbutt and John L. Balderston. Who also did Gaslight, the play, the film Dracula is based on, and The Mummy. The premise is suggested by the novel Frankenstein by Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Or Mary Shelley. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? What, what novel? It's just the regular Frankenstein, right? Yeah, but the premise for this film, The Bride of Frankenstein is suggested by the novel Frankenstein. Oh, yes, which I have begun to read. Oh. Yes, you have. It's going to be my October book. I wish I had, I have a little bit about it. I have a little bit on it, but I've only read the prologue so far. Excellent. Okay. Nice. But that gave me some information because she wrote it herself. Or the introduction. The part before the book. Well, Now, remember the interesting tidbit that we found out when we did Frankenstein. So this is a bit of a nerd alert. Remember, her mother was a philosopher and feminist activist who died a month after her birth. So she really didn't get to know her mom, but her mom was, you know, an about it, about it woman. And her father was an anarchist and... She, Mary Shelley, fell in love with one of his followers, one of her father's followers, who was married. And I remember she traveled with that man and her stepsister, and they went all through Europe. And then when she came back in 1814, she was pregnant. Mm. And he was the father. The follower was the father of her child. But they were not married. Yeah, and so then they were like, they were ostracized, and then remember the baby died, and then they got married in 1816, and, but it was only after Percy Shelley, who was the man, his first wife took herself out the game, remember? And we were like... Oh, if if we were watching Dateline. Exactly. Keith Morrison would say. Mm-hmm. And then she wrote the book two years after that. Yeah. Right. So the music is by Franz Waxman. We just did him. He did Rebecca, Sunset Boulevard, A Place in the Sun, tons of stuff. 
very, very uh, prestigious music man. The director of photography is John J. Mascall, who also did Showboat. And Showboat is a famous movie because that's where Paul Robeson sings Old, Old Man, man River. River. Yeah. I always thought it was in Porgy and Bess, but it's in Showboat. Mm-hmm. And he also did The Invisible Game and Dark Waters and Nerd Alert. He is known for elaborate, some might say grandiose, but always effective camera movements in which the camera would often completely track across or around a set or even one performer. And they did use the example of, in Showboat, the Paul Robeson performance and the camera movements uh-huh. in that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The editor is Ted J. Kent, who also did My Man Godfrey, uh, Father Goose, and The Island of the Blue Dolphins. It's a movie? Oh, my gosh. Apparently it is. <laughs> Should I just start crying now? <laughs> uh, starring Boris Karloff, or I'm sorry, Karloff, as the titles have it, oh, as yeah. the monster. Um, he was also in Frankenstein, The Mummy, the voice of the Grinch in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Perfection. He's English. I don't know why that surprised me when I read it, but yeah. Nerd alert, he would dress up as Father Christmas and hand out presents to handicapable children at a Baltimore hospital every Christmas. Bravo, Carl. Bravo. And Boris. Carl. Yeah, you're just, just short, short. I think you're just that much of a friend. Carlos Carl. That's what that's what we in the biz called him. <laughs> he was also a charter member of the Union SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. So that's nice. Oh, my main man, Colin Clive. As Dr. Henry Frankenstein, he was also in Frankenstein, Jane Eyre, and Clive of India. He was suffering from severe chronic alcoholism by this time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the only reason that James Whale, because the studios did not want him to be there, like recast the role. And like, no, my man is on a different wavelength and I need that wavelength for this film. And I got to say, he was right. He was right. Uh, one of the most unintentionally hilarious performances of all time. <laughs> it worked. Whew. We have Valerie Hobson as Elizabeth Frankenstein. I believe she was 17 when this was shot. She was also in Werewolf in London and Great Expectations. Her last starring role was in the original London production of The King and I in 1953. Okay. So she had but a- she was not the Elizabeth in the original Frankenstein. No. I forgot right. what happened with that actress. Um, Ernest... Thessinger. Yes. Ooh. Mm, Thessinger. I put an N in there and there's none. Mm-hmm. As Dr. Okay. Pretorius. Pretorius. Thank you. Thank now you. I'm on the Pretorius. Because it's Pretorius. The whole time it was Pretorius. Um, he was in a ton of movies that I hadn't heard, uh, like I didn't recognize. 
And frankly, none of those movies were as interesting as this tidbit that he was wounded in World War One and he got into needlepoint by repairing historical embroidery. So he got my man got into needlework. Let me wow. tell you something. Then there was a barn explosion that happened and it damaged his hands. And around the same time, the Ministry of Pensions declared his needlework as, quote, too effeminate an occupation for <gasps> men. So just just coming at my guy. And so then, but then he, no, he did not let that deter, detour him at all because he developed small sewing kits for soldiers and similarly injured people to provide activity and pain relief. And that uh, evolved and became the disabled soldiers embroidery industry. Oh. Wow. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, when Poppy came into the army, he got a little sewing kit. So I wonder if there was from... Dr. Pretorius. Uh, yeah. I mean, Probably. I think he was English, but maybe, I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, they would, an allies, they would swap military secrets and whatnot. So, yes. And he did needlework, and some of his needlework is in, like, a private collection of Buckingham Palace. Like, he would go around and, and show off his needlework and stuff. I'm telling you, that my man... He was in a bunch of movies, but needlework was his passion. And it, it it had to be amazing if he was fixing stuff, old stuff to be, you know. Yeah, he, he just I loved mean, it. I mean, it had to be pristine. Mm -hmm. We have Elsa Lancaster. 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 Uh, she was also Mary Shelley and The Bride. The Monster's Bride. Two roles. Mm -hmm. We know her when we did Witness for the Prosecution. She was in it uh -huh. with her husband, Charles Lawton. Uh -huh. um, she was also in Mary Poppins and The Bishop's Wife. As I just mentioned, she was married to Charles Lawton, who is a famous actor and also director. And we did his only directorial film, The Night of the Hunter. The Night of the Hunter. With Robert Mitchum. And he had the heaven and hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He it was, was kind of a man. Yeah. Um, Gavin Gordon as Lord Byron. You know, at the beginning, he was being super Lord Byron-y. That guy was born and raised in Mississippi. He wasn't British. Dang. I know. Um, he was also in a movie called Romance with Greta Garbo, and he was uncredited in Notorious and White Christmas. White mm -hmm. Christmas, not Holiday Inn. We can do White Christmas. Uh huh. Douglas Walton as Percy Shelley. He was in the 1934 version of The Count of Monte Cristo. Wait, wait, wait. 1934? Yeah. There's a 1934 version of The Count of Monte Cristo. He was also in Mary of Scotland and Murder, My Sweet. We have Una O'Connor as Minnie. She was also in Witness for the Prosecution. And O.P. Heggie as the Hermit. He is an Australian actor. He was also in the 1934 version of The Count of Monte Cristo. And he was discovered... By Norma Shear, who I guess just 
Norma Shearer just had an eye for talent. She certainly appeared to. So those are my particulars. Okay, well, I'm going to set the table. <clears throat> we meet Mary Shelley, the author of the book Frankenstein, right? Yeah. With a group of friends, to include Lord Byron, and she reviews what happened in the first movie and then proceeds to tell them what comes next. Yes. So we are to POC, which just like last week, is a big goose egg. Yeah, but I do have for others, wasn't there a... a Romany family, don't yeah. you think they presented as a as a Romany family? Definitely, so about I have like that written war. down with quotation marks. Gypsies, but you're not. But that's not supposed to be right. said anymore. Right. I, I'm. I said quotation marks because I wanted, you know, people who weren't in the know to realize that is now called Romany. Mm-hmm. And and you shouldn't say things like like gypped. That comes from right. gypsies. Oh, and which I didn't even realize. Very is... derogatory. So, yeah. yeah, that's just one of those. That's, I think that's something that, that people, like, say, and then they have no idea. Exactly. And you're like, oh, but that's actually, like, like kind of shouldn't say that. Like, don't yeah. say that. Then it's one of those things that then when you know it, you're like, ah, ugh. Yeah. And then I have the blind hermit because he's an other because he's uh -huh. blind. Um, and you know the monster. The monster's another. And I guess the bride would also be another. Yeah, I have um, when the monster says we belong dead to Doctor Frankenstein, mm -hmm. saying you know because we are different, so we should be dead. Which and is sad. also, like was dead. <laughs> dead and You're then. Cute. Kind of back to life again, and then yeah, it reanimated. Oh. Teeny, do you have any POCs? Power of oh, cast? Yeah, I do. Um, I guess this would fit in here. There's a well, I found a new podcast that I would highly recommend. They are all about. It's called Halloweeners, and. They did an episode on the Bride of Frankenstein. Um, and it's a gay man, like a gay guy and a girl. I don't know if she's queer or not. Um, and so they like watch horror movies from that lens. And I listened to the Bride of Frankenstein and I liked it so much that I went back. They did an episode of Nosferatu. And Ooh. it was funny because they kept calling, um, what's his name? Hunter? No, they kept calling Knock. They just called him Danny DeVito the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're hilarious. So you should listen to the episode of Bright and Frankenstein because they'll do a better job of describing. But they talked about how just a lot of the movie had... Um, like queer undertones to it uh but mostly and then i saw some other things about it but starting with the plot the relationship between dr frankenstein and dr pretorius yeah mm -hmm. 
could have been a homosexual relationship. Um, and like the night of Frankenstein's wedding, Dr. Pretorius comes and is like, yeah. no, you need to leave Mrs. Frankenstein. I need to talk to him alone. Like we're old friends, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. They leave. He gets him to leave the night of his wedding to go work together. Uh-huh. He, is that the, is the night of the wedding when he comes in and that's when Dr. Frankenstein is in the bed so he's mm-hmm. in his his future wife or his fiance's bed and Pretorius comes in so it's like this other man is coming in mm-hmm. and basically seduces a man out of a woman's bed into a bed. secret mm-hmm. rendezvous location to discuss things yep and then i was reading this article on filmotomy.com but they said it was kind of like um so the whole theme of the movie was man playing God, of course. Um, but Pretorius and Frankenstein were two men that worked together to defy God and create life, which could easily be seen as an allegory for gay relationships that are said to defy God and gay couples with children defying the societal norms of the time. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there was a, I loved the, uh, there was a whole thing about the monster finding its queer identity. Uh, they were talking about how the monster in, in um, Halloweenies, Halloweeners, uh, they talk about just like the monster in the first movie, like remember he was with the little girl and like they were just looking at mm-hmm. him picking flowers, like he loved flowers. Yeah, yeah that's right. And then like he was really driven to like the sound of the violin, like he was so angry. And then once he heard the violin start playing, he oh, loved yeah. it. Um, which I just love that idea. Um, so yeah, I mean, and this whole article talks about like the LGBTQ community identifying with horror movies and the you know the idea of being another and you're an abomination and you don't fit in and um yeah finding your people and your family with like the monster finds the blind man and they're like two outsiders and they find each other and then they become friends friend i know Mm -hmm. right but that was my power of cast and definitely listen to halloweeners I I have um, all the women in the film are weak, powerless, and irrelevant, which I thought was odd considering how women are the ones who can grow life in their body. And how a woman came up with the whole story. Yes. Yes. Very true. Um, Also, I read that James Whale put Elizabeth near the edge of the frame on almost every like whenever she was in it she was kind of closer to the edge and that i got that from an article one wedding lots of funerals by marco lanzagorta he also said um that that changes at the end with the bride and the outrageous hair and unearthly screams quote this creature becomes a freudian nightmare she embodies the idea of unleashed female sexuality overpowering patriarchal authority i was like Oh, hmm. okay. Interesting. Um, the bride's hair is based on Nefertiti, who is the queen of Egypt. Oh. She was an African woman. 
She was queen of Egypt and reigned over the wealthiest period in ancient Egypt, Egyptian history, mm-hmm. um, which just made me think, considering there's no black people whatsoever in this. It reminds me what Africa makes, Europe takes. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's that. Uh, you know. Um, the monster seeks connection for those who reject him based on his existence. Like he just merely exists and that's mm-hmm. why people hate him. And then as he, the more he learns, the more painful that becomes. Because whereas when he was ignorant, the, the hatred didn't bother him because he didn't understand it. Right. But then as he learns and then he feels more pain um, and is just hated because people just fear him and mistake him. Um, And then there's also, like, it also ties in with um, the, like, what is it? The, it's like in the power of caste with black males and how the, the rape thing and how like the monster is always kind of accused of that. Mm-hmm. Like it's in this movie, he saves a woman, and then the woman screams, and everybody assumes that that he's trying to have his way with her and stuff. But then it's interesting how like then it plays in on that. But then at the end, he does break in and steal the woman away. Um, I just thought that in the power, as far as like the power of caste, like that the townspeople when the townspeople finally caught him. And you know how they they tied him up. That I thought that they would have just they would have hung him and burned him, and that you know he wouldn't have survived that. And the reason that I know that to be true is because there's a uh, lynching museum in Alabama because of all the people who have been lynched by lynch mobs. Like that, I don't like when I was watching the movie. I was like, unless they wanted to torture him yeah well yeah i mean i get i get what you're saying too just but like, they were being even more even well not even more sinister but they were still being sinister in the fact that they wanted to like yeah i mean the, they, they, had they, to, the, they wanted their um percentage of blood each of them yeah wanted. yeah kind of like the father because in the, in this film the the previous film the original there's the child who um, gets, you know, yeah. killed, and then the parents come back and, cause this film takes place right after the other one ended. And so the, the father's like, they're like, Oh, the monster's dead. And the father's, I want to see the bones. I want to see the monster's bones. And that doesn't end well for the father, but there is, I guess that's what you're talking about. But I was just like, man, if that was, if the yeah. monster was a black man in America, he, come on. Yeah. yeah, we would. They would have been all smiling, taking a picture. You've seen the pictures, and this charred body would have been hanging behind them. Mm-hmm. And so, those are my power of cast. Well, that bring. I wanted to share this part, this quote from this article in film in filmotomy, um, because. It says, where the movie has its iconic monsters, it makes it clear that the true horror is the society which tears them down and even leads the monster to commit suicide at the end. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, The Bride of Frankenstein is ultimately a tragedy because of the horrors of the society willing to attack a creature just because he doesn't fit into the traditional mold Mm -hmm. that society expects a creature to fit into. Um, 
the same audience in 1935 which experienced this was the same society that would turn around and attack the lgbtq plus community blindly for the same reasons mm -hmm. yes exactly and that's a perfect segue into painting the picture of the world that was in 1935 when this film came out so in 1935 we had the trial of richard Hauptmann. And that was for oh. the kidnapping and murdering of Charles Lindbergh Jr. Remember the Lindbergh baby? Yes. He, he was convicted and sentenced to death. And, like, it's still kind of mysterious. I don't know that it was him. You know, there are some people, and I feel like I can go out on a limb and say this because of Lindbergh's uh, political leanings and whatnot, uh, being that he was a Nazi sympathizer and all and big into eugenics, I heard a theory that he had his own kid taken out the game because he was a sickly, because the baby was sickly, and that oh. went against his whole, like, super, yeah. like, he was Superman and had the best genes and all of that kind of thing. I, I got nothing to support it, only the fact that that man, uh, my personal... My personal tally, I put him in the piece of shit category. But hey, hell of a pilot, I guess. And if you watched uh, Man in the High Castle, they definitely, <laughs> I mean, that's fact, right? Yeah, that's, it's completely yeah. factual. factual. So it, it that was like saying, yeah, it, if you have some kind of a medical defect, well, yeah, because it goes, it goes against your whole theory that your genes are superior. Like, that's what the whole like, Nazis and Aryan race was about, was the, your superior genes and whatnot. Thank God that this isn't a video podcast, because you would get us canceled so badly, Ma. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. With your <laughs> pointing to yourself and whatnot. Okay. I mean, just look at me. Am I not the example <laughs> of perfect genes? <laughs> yeah. My ankles alone are there as a testament. Hey. Those ankles are sturdy enough to support anything that can get thrown at you. <laughs> we have Amelia Earhart became the first person to fly solo from Hawaii to California. And another another mystery that really hasn't been solved. I know. She's still um, She's still lost. <laughs> <off. laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> men's tidy whities aka briefs, aka jockeys, went on sale for the first time at Cooper's Inc. in Chicago. And I don't know, I never thought of Chicago as a tidy whities town, but I guess. Hmm. Chicago was one a lot back then, premiering Frankenstein, yeah. debuting tidy uh -huh. whities Yeah, it was, it was the, the hub. The have you if you've heard of um or re referenced the Dust Bowl? This is when it happened frequently. Oh, I remember like, having to learn about that a lot in school, but didn't retain any of it. Yeah, so 1935. I, I guess this is like d Great Depression times. Very yeah. bleak. Very bleak. I just read times. a novel. Not, not a that. lot of fun time to be living. No, not a lot of fun. A and women. I imagine no. it very like brown. Just like everything had a brown tone because of like the dust everywhere and yeah, you know. Can you, I mean, respiratory issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and everything sepia tone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just blame everybody's blaming whoever's below them in the cast for the reasons mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which brings us to the Harlem race fracas. Oh. How, how do we like fracas? Oh. I, I looked it up to look at the synonym for riot. I was like, let's try out fracas. Um, so that or a heated protest. Um, Jeffrey Stewart oh, yes. called it the first modern race riot because of these three reasons. Violence was directed almost entirely against property. Although I will say that three black people were killed and over 100 people were injured. But. almost entirely number two the absence of clashes between racial groups and number three the struggles between the lower class negro population and the police forces Um, whereas in the past fracases had been violent clashes between blacks and whites i thought that that was interesting so that was like one of the first ones and this is to Christine and my brother, the first canned beer was sold at Godfrey's Kruger Brewing Company in oh, Richmond, Virginia. Was it PBR? Shout out to Richmond. I don't know what the brand Schlitz. was. I just know where it was. It was the it was Gottfried. Gottfried Kruger oh. Bre- Brewing Company. So that sounds like a good German brew. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was the first canned beer in 1935. So, does yeah. anybody? I have, I have a few more, just really quick ones. Um, I have that in 1816. That was when Mary Shelley and her stepsister Claire Claremont, which made me laugh because that's oh, such God. A, like, dude, who wrote that name? Claire Claremont spent the summer with Lord Byron and John William. Polordi and this Polordi guy, he was famous for writing The Vampire, which was the first modern vampire story. And so this was like 1819 that he wrote that. And to take into account, Bram Stoker wrote Dracula in 1897. And so this is when they were vacationing in Switzerland. And that's where she conceived of the idea for Frankenstein. I have a little bit more on that. Yes, do Do tell. tell. Hold for one second. Let me grab my book. Okay. I'll just fill you in then on Lord Byron. Yes, please. Lord Byron, because I've always heard that name. I'm I'm not a big poet person, not a big poetry person, but Lord Byron was super famous. He was a leading figure of the Romantic movement and considered one of England's greatest poets. And I think that kind of comes across in his over-the-topness. Of right. When right. We see him. Oh, is it me? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. So Mary Shelley wrote an introduction to Frankenstein. I think this is like after, this is like after, it must have been like a second edition or something, I believe, because she talks about how like she changed a couple She's added some, she's altered some of the words, but they're just because of the style. It's, she hasn't changed any of the story, but she has mended the language where it was so bald as to interfere with the most interest of the narrative. So I'm guessing she'd already written the book for this, but 
she talked in her introduction about how much she liked to write when she was a kid and she would write stories but it was just for her friend to read um and so then she talks about how she was hanging out with um lord byron and shelly and they were talking about um like the scary stories they had heard uh and so they were like well let's tell each other some ghost stories um well if they referred to like the history of the inconstant lover have you ever heard of that because i hadn't but there was somebody who Mm-mm. thought to clasp the bride to whom he had pledged his vow but found himself in the arms of the pale ghost of her whom he had deserted so she talks about like some of the stories that had translated um from german into french that they had been reading and so she and byron and shelly were all hanging out her husband shelly i can't remember what his name was but percy percy doesn't matter of course um so lord byron said we will each write a ghost story and so there were Everybody started writing their stories and she couldn't, she was just like thinking of it. She couldn't think of her story. She wanted one to rival those that had excited us to come up with this task anyway. Um, She said she wanted to write one which would speak to the mysterious fears of our nature and awaken thrilling horror. One to make the reader dread dread to look round, to curdle the blood and quicken the beatings of the heart. So she had low expectations. Yeah, right. Um, and I think she was just like, I'm going to tell a better story than all of these guys. Exactly. Which is crazy because she's like with Lord Byron and Lord Byron is, I mean, I guess he's a, a rock star. It's kind of like I'm sitting around with Prince and, oh, oh we're all going to come up with songs. Yeah. All right. All right, Prince. <laughs> this would be me if I were in her spot. I would be like, I'm so competitive. I have to win and has to be the best story. <laughs> Um, so there was also, they did an episode of Drunk History where where they did Frankenstein and I think Will Ferrell plays the monster. Oh, wow. Um, but they're all sitting around a fire, like telling the story, but I have to look that up. It's pretty funny. It's only like five minutes long. So every morning they were like, have you thought of a story? This isn't one night. She was like, I'm not telling a story tonight. I've got to think of a good one. Um, I'm sorry, Mac is just snoring on the, <laughs> this bed beside us. Um, so finally, she told her story. And they were like, holy shit, Mary, that's terrifying. You got to write it down. Like, she just told it. And it began with, it was on a dreary night in November. Um, and so it's basically like at first I was like, did they really need this part of them sitting around in the living room? Like, I just thought they made that up for the movie. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of how it really happened. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that it was really at first I had the same thought, too. of Like, what is, what is this? Do we need this? But then I wondered how many sequels like we're we've had over 100 years of film to and sequels and knowing that. That this is 1935, so it's still within, you know, 20, the first 25 years of film, at least. So sequels, not saying this was the first sequel, but it, it was kind of a newer thing. And I kind of, 
it grew on me. I was like, oh, snap, that's Lord Byron. And I liked it because, you know, I don't know. Again, I can't quote you a Lord Byron, but when they say his name, I know he's an English poet and stuff. And he's basically, to you know, to a woman uh, still at the, the time of saying, like, come on. Like, you got me hooked on that shit. Like, I need the mm-hmm. next one. I need the next one. It's like whenever there's a, a show or something on TV and it ends and you're just like, when is the next season going to come mm-hmm. out? Oh, my gosh. Well, and so well, I thought it was funny how she wrote, like, she woke up and she said, I have found it. What terrified me will terrify others. And I need <laughs> only to describe the specter which had haunted my midnight pillow. Um, but she said that she just told like what would have been a few pages, like a short story, but her husband was the one that urged her to develop the idea at a greater length. Mm-hmm. I just love like, it. going. So then I, and then I like, I was like, oh, okay. At first I thought it was just like, I don't know. Well, it made sense when the, and then in the living room scene, she's like, oh, you thought I was done. Here's the mm-hmm. rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And she wrote this, yes, okay. She wrote this October 15th, 1831. That was when she wrote the new introduction. Wow. Nice. I do have to say, I hate what they did with the cover. Like, I wanted, like, an old-timey cover. They've made a new graphic novel. It seems real YA, real young adult addiction. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm sure there's other versions out there, but... Had to take what I could get at Barnes and Noble. There you go. Well, I have a nerd alert, but it's not as good as all of those. The girl that the girl that was drowned in Frankenstein, she was mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. school girls are coming home from school and they see him and they scream and run away. So, and to piggyback on that, Ma. So James Whale, the director gave her a line i think she says look at or something like look maybe and he did that on purpose because she would get paid more money because she had a speaking role yeah. rather than just be an extra excellent you know mm-hmm. who else was like also that. in it who the, he his name wasn't igor what was the guy's name in frankenstein we always want to call him igor oh i forget yeah, because it wasn't yeah, his helper. Yeah, that's going to drive me crazy. Um, but. OK, his assistant, he was also in this movie. Because um, remember, Frankenstein killed him in the first one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in this movie as. The guy who had to go find the dead, bo- the dead woman body. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. Max. Oh, okay. That's being kind. The murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, okay. So, and it was, they liked his performance so much in the first one. Um, I saw something where they talked to his daughter or uh, one of his descendants. And they were like, yeah, he, they liked his performance so much in the first one that they wanted to give him a role in the second one, but like you couldn't play the same part because he right. died. Mm-hmm. So then they talked about in the second one, he like kind of helps Frankenstein or the monster out. I mean, he's building him a bride. Well, no, he doesn't. He's just, he killed a woman to make him a bride, but that's what the monster right. wanted. Yeah. And then the monster throws him off the roof. 
Yeah. But they were talking great. about how at that time, anybody who did like a murder or something had to get their come up. Yeah. Hayes so, code. Oh, that was the Hayes code. Yeah. Yeah. So he had, he had to get thrown off the mm-hmm. old thing, but I was like, did he really die? Because that same hitting was what, uh, Dr. Frankenstein went through it the first one, remember? He hits that windmill and we're like, oh, he is his back is snapped in two. He just needed a little He's nap. Dead. But <laughs> yeah. He just needed some alcohol to get him through that. Okay, are we done with nerd alerts then? I believe so. So we are to reheatables, negative and positive. <clears throat> Okay, mine so is uh, what oh, Bride of Frankenstein. She doesn't come until the very end. I, I know. know. I have that as a negative, but I also have it as a positive. Yeah, it yeah. is because it's one of those things where it was like the first Frankenstein to me. Where this movie did it again, it was completely different than I thought it was gonna be. I thought mm-hmm. it was gonna be a nice little. They make him up. They make her a bride. Like, and I feel like they talk about this in that podcast or Halloweeners also, like, you think they're going to make the bride right in the beginning. They're going to fall in love. Or maybe this was another. I also listened to one called Monster Attack, and they talked about this movie. They fall in love. They get into a little monster fight. They make up, and then they go on and live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. the two of them. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so much deeper. And depending on how well they remade the bodies, were they going to be able to have... Well, that was another negative of mine. They really tried to say these two monsters were going to be able to procreate and make make life, make their own race. Yeah, I'm thinking... They're working with decaying body parts. (laughs) But apparently... Apparently real women have trouble enough, so... (laughs) Yeah, and then also just they connected everything because my guy can... He can tear up and yes. then he's eating he food. Tear ducts. So if he's eating food, they connected his whole digestive tract. You well, know, we don't know just... that. We know that he was eating food. We didn't know if it ever uh, made it through. Well, I would think if he was eating food, it would be because he was hungry. Yeah. So, oh, he just stopped at the I stomach. Think he just was eating because it was a societal norm. I, yeah, maybe there's just, that too. His friend, that's what the hermit. Well, but he was him. hungry because he was like going for that ham on the fire. What? Oh yeah. no, that was his hand. That wasn't a ham. <laughs> <laughs> but it made him. It made him feel like that's that's just what flame to flesh does. It just yeah yeah. He smelled that and yeah. went. That oh, smells delicious. delicious. Oh, it's me. Oh. Oh. Okay. So, and my other one is, you know, stealing corpses and then, you know, just murder. But other than that, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. <laughs> TV? Others? Negatives? Um, oh, so at first we kind of talked about it, but I too was like, is it necessary to show the living room scene? But then I watched a documentary and else well this is by john dante i believe 
I'm trying to get better at my sources, but um, Elsa <laughs> Lancaster, uh-huh. she said that Wales' intention was to show that very pretty people actually have very wicked thoughts. And he said he wouldn't do the movie unless she played both Mary Shelley and the bride. So I was like, well, then it would have been necessary to have that part. In the, yeah, you had to yeah. have that. And also, she isn't really um, credited in the credits. She's credited as Mary Shelley. But then it's like the bride, and it's not that question mark. Mm -hmm. And we're like, please, those eyes, that chin, come on. Yeah, but it was in the beginning of the film. So that, I'll get to that. Oh, Uh, yeah, that's one of your long going things. Um, They were very quick to declare. Frankenstein dead. They were just like he's dead. Agreed. He's dead. They didn't do any tests. They didn't check. However, they didn't have soap operas back then, so we didn't know about people, you know, just falling asleep or taking a shower, and things can change. Like people (laughs) could come back. Is that a Dallas reference? (laughs) Yes, it was a Dallas reference. (laughs) Which, oh well, who knows who's listening, but. Probably nobody my age, so never mind. Uh, and then my other negative was when he was like chugging the wine. I thought it was a really big missed opportunity to not have the wine seeping through his stitches, because he had like he had been like stitched together on his face, and I just wanted to see oh. like the wine start pouring out. What if though? Well, you know, I guess okay. he just stitched him up too well. Well, I, I'll, I'll save it. Okay. Uh, hopefully, I'll remember. Is that it for the negatives? Well, you haven't done your negatives. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I couldn't believe that my man, as hysterical as that man was, that he was able to just ragdoll himself. And you're going to tell me that that tense ass man just ragdolled to survive hitting that windmill and surviving. But okay, um, I what does what does what's her name Elizabeth see in Doctor Frankenstein? He's money. Uh, yeah, well I guess. remember. Yeah, uh, and we talked about it in the first one and and all of that. But he's so hysterical. <laughs> he's such a, a very high strung man. Yeah, he's, uh, there's a lot of drama surrounding him, but I just watched a documentary sort of-ish, yeah, on American princesses, and it was narrated by Elizabeth McGovern, who plays the wife in Downton Abbey. Okay, mm-hmm. follow me here. And so she was an American, but the aristocracy in Britain, you know, they had these big, huge land land barons mm-hmm. but they didn't know how to make money because they got all their money and so they were losing money so they had to marry american rich women to come over and save their country homes and such so they wanted the title the aristocracy aristocracy title and the aristocracy wanted the american money so i'm thinking that she just wanted the title because he mm-hmm. was a baron, right? Well, I'm thinking that this was probably, yeah, the best that she could do because she was a woman and she's just like, I really shouldn't have to marry this man. I could do this by myself. and But no, because of the patriarchy, I have, right. to, I have right. to do this. Unbelievable. I, I, right. I don't, 
I don't want to wash my own clothes. I, I don't want to change my own bed. So yeah, I'm going to marry him. Then hopefully he'll drink himself to death and I'll have his money. Mm-hmm. But then he's all time. he's all concerned about creating life. And I'm like, hey, there's a woman right there. Yeah. You're a man. I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, but you know, he'd rather be with Dr. Yeah, that's, Petraeus. That's the thing. He's he's all Petraeus. obsessed with creating life. And it's like, but you can create life. But you it want- might be painful for a few minutes, but you can do it. <laughs> um I didn't understand how the uh, Pretorius, how he, the little people, and he said that he grew them from a seed. I didn't understand that. Uh, that was yeah. totally. I just had to. I'm sorry, you have a problem with that, but you can understand how they sewed together dead body parts and he came alive. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't have a problem with any <laughs> of it. But those those little people in the little bell domes. That was. I what? had to just let that go. But it was still really cool. 1935, yeah. though. We were like, oh, that is that is cool. Um, This battery heater bolt is not brought to you by any home security system because nobody advertises with us. But the monster was just able to just come right in and steal <laughs> Mrs. Frankenstein just right out the house. So there are plenty of uh, security systems that as i'm saying mr frankenstein didn't really care if she was old or not no because he didn't like women exactly and that's what was driving him insane because he was supposed to and he was supposed to be able to create life the regular way but he couldn't so mm-hmm. he had to go and get corpses and sew them together but it just seems like it would like oh you couldn't you could impregnate a woman and take her baby it seems I mean it's horrible but it just seems a lot less uh but he didn't want to have to have sex with her man that's a whew there's that yes so the Frankenstein's leisure wear that couple's leisure wear was it just was not uncomfortable it was not comfortable at all She's wearing the whole, uh, you know, I mean, it looks great. And he's in his like smoking jacket in the bed, but they weren't comfy. No, those were not comfy clothes. No, not at all. Smoking is just always a bad reheatable, even if it's an adorable uh, scene where the hermit is bonding with the monster. Yeah, yeah. it's just it just doesn't age well. Um. The, the monster gets to evolve and learn human things. But I just thought that it was funny how the monster just takes, the, like, the bride. She's just been reanimated. She, she's like, ah, yells, doesn't want anything to do with him. I'm, like, I'm guessing that it would probably be a bit traumatic to be reanimated and sewn back together and stuff. The, the monster went through it. And then when the monster, the bride wants nothing to do with the monster, he's just like, that's it. Burn it all down. Mm-hmm. You know, he, the bride didn't get to to uh, evolve the way. I just felt yeah. like they, they, they give could her be a, short. Give her a minute. Give her a beat, you know? Let her, yeah, let her however, have a moment. He really did understand no means no. 
Yeah. Props to the monster. Yeah. Cool. He's well done. Like, yeah, okay. She hates me. She she hate me. Um, and He's then this friend. is this is a battery heat on me. This just a, a complete battery heat on me. The movie is set in 1899. And when I heard, because one of the, the Vic, the woman who was killed or whatever, when did she die? 1899. And I was like, what? 1899? But Mary Shelley died in 1851. How is this possible? What? And then I had to, to calm down and remember that um, even in old times, people could write things about the future. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, yeah, she was writing about a time in the future. So that's what I'm curious about when Teeny reads Frankenstein. It's like, oh, is this set in the future? Because that's what that's what I, it was just bad on me because I was like, this can't be. Does is nobody noticed this? Oh I know. God. I'm curious to see how long she's in it in the book. And mm -hmm. So. Okay, so we are too positive, Reheatables. Uh, the comic factor, it was very campy. Mm -hmm. Very campy. So campy, I loved it. It yes. was so funny. Just I, just the... Every time Frank had to hide... No, well, the monster had to hide. It was hysterical. Behind the rock, <laughs> in the shadows of the house. Oh, I loved it. And I also liked the mobile phone. Oh yeah, that completely went past me. Mobile phone. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So ahead of its time. Yeah. Wow. Um I liked their living room. You like all those arches and stuff? Yeah. Oh, I like arches mm -hmm. after reading um some book back in the day. I love arches. I loved how they did the bride dot 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 question mark in the credits. Yeah, that was because you know, like that was my problem with the credits being the beginning of the film. Exactly. What if there's a shot like a? Oh my God, I didn't know so and so was going to be in this film. And what like if you're going to see this for the first time, maybe you didn't know mm -hmm. Elsa was going to play the bride also. So it left it for shock factor. I agree. Yeah. I loved the monster smoking. I thought it was hilarious. I oh, I thought it was great. It's just smoking is a bad like if they knew but it was a cigar. It wasn't like he was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah, it's just a cigar. Let him enjoy, Let him enjoy himself. Don't add to his dead lungs. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, everybody has to die sometime. We might as well enjoy going out. Um, <laughs> I love that the bride was only uh, didn't come in until with three minutes left to go. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted more of her, left me wanting more. Mm -hmm. It's true because you keep uh, watching for the bride. When is yeah, she coming? When is she Wait, coming? What is this? Oh, and like she's turned into this total icon, and yes. she's only on screen for like three minutes. Yes. And and where did that gown come from? Because when she was wrapped, there wasn't room for all that fabric. Or her hair. There wasn't room for any of her hair. Well, well that happened because true. she got electrocuted. Yeah, uh, and it was it was the lightning 
Spike. Yeah. You don't have to tell me about hair. It's science, changing. okay? <laughs> yeah, it's science. Dr. Fauci said. Yeah, Fauci said her hair would do that. Uh, the little people special effects that you already brought mm -hmm. up. Like, oh my God, that could have been, that looks like something from Harry Potter. It yes. was. It was. A little freakier, but it was. And then the maids, the maid and her scream. Any, yeah. I mean, she didn't have a very good maid outfit, but I loved her. But she had the, uh, a, a, um, a, um, Swiss, a Swiss outfit. Mm-hmm. Her scream in the beginning, though, was so good. She oh, was what good about, throughout. yeah, at the very beginning when she's just like, oh, that was a good fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cross yourself. Yeah. Oh, those are my positives. I have the evolution of science, which is just, I think that that's um, bravo, bravo. And just how I already mentioned it, the little how he got it from a seed to it. it, it oh, I mean, that's what they call it. I know, but that's the evolution of because you're thinking in the 1800s and stuff, how little they knew about anatomy. Yeah. And body and now what they knew. No. And and when she was writing this, what they knew about the body and then what. Oh yeah, lightning could just strike, and it would that would be the spark, and we could continue going. But isn't it crazy how like two two hundred years from now they're gonna be like those idiots? They knew yeah. nothing. Yeah. Well, that probably won't happen because two hundred years from now, nobody Ooh, will we'll be. Yeah, because we killed the planet. But whoever knows will be like those idiots. Look what they did to the planet. That, that was such a pretty place. Um, the, and then also with the little people, I kind of got goosebumps cause I was like, oh my gosh, he, cause he made the devil. I was like, oh yeah, man, that was like religion. and that was like, he was like, doesn't that look like me? Yeah. And it's, and then you're like, oh yeah, but like religions are all man-made really. Mm -hmm. And then like the, the, he made the king and the monarchy and it's like, yeah, those monarchies and kings and queens, that's all man-made too. I was like, oh, damn. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I thought it was interesting in her, the beginning when she says that her purpose was to write a moral lesson on the punishment that befell a mortal man who dared to emulate God. But in the end, Dr. Frankenstein lives. So was he punished? Or is he just punished with... Well, he already in the beginning was like, she was like stop forget about what you forget about all that like you gotta we gotta move on whatever and he was like i wish i could forget but i will never so i think now he's gonna have more to live with so he's been he's gonna be punished for his life so he's getting he's that. himself to death yeah. and then it's gonna be over yeah he's not built for handling what he's done um, I thought it was a great recap of what happened in the first film. Just really yes. quick. They just were like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I like that. that. You that didn't have to I mean, I needed that. Film. I yeah. needed it. Yeah. I love the townsman who was the one guy that was like, hey, go home. What are you guys doing? The Burgermeister. Yeah, go home. Get out of here. I'm like, that's me. I remember in high school when people would rush because there was a fight. I always went the opposite direction. I was like, ah, I'm I'm not a watcher. 
like my girl all the people who are watching calamity i'm like no i'm getting as far away from this as i can a fracas might break out (laughs) um man they brought the grieving parents back only to kill them damn (laughs) they'd rather be dead than living with their grief yeah, the hermit, he was blind, but he was totally handy capable, mm. completely self-sufficient. And then I had to even check myself because there was that fire going. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to accidentally leave something. But no, he had it under control. He, he knew where to touch and everything. And yeah, that, the whole, place scene ended up- was, that whole scene was very sweet. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was. That that's what it, that deserves to be in the Bible, you know, like that's one of those scenes that we should teach in Bible schools. Ouch. Oh man! But I mean, like, but that's it. It's good. It just it seemed like a- I agree. I I am not the. It's not me doing the ouch. <laughs> Outside forces. Oh hey, I'm just in the rewrite maybe. Um, and I love how funny it is. And just really deep on so many layers. I mean, yeah. uh, the Petraeus guy, his his delivery would crack. Petraeus. Petraeus. I, I got Petorious. you. Yeah, you did. Because I just see the P and the Aureus. And then my Me mind. Me too. And, whatever. And, and the Betrayus. I mean, that's what I thought the whole time. Betrayus. So um, we are to quotables. Mm-hmm. I got a lot. Okay. Well, Tini already sent me this one. Oh, the best. Your quote of the year, probably. Do you like gin? It's my only weakness. Uh, But this isn't science. It's more like black magic. It's a perfect night for mystery and horror. Yeah, that's a good one. Dun, dun, dun. And I left the others to you. You're welcome, all. All right. Um, I loved. Oh, what a terrible wedding night! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have that. And then when a new a new world of gods and monsters, and that's what that movie was called in the '90s or '80s. Yeah, in the late '90s. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite quote from the monster himself. I love dead, hate living. Yeah. <laughs> that, God, it rivals um, only white people get depression. <laughs> I don't me, know. But... I don't know if anything can beat that one. Yeah, depression, is for, depression is for white people. Yeah. But I don't I'm gonna, know. I'm going to have a tough decision by the end of the year. Yeah. I ha- Was that all? Yeah. I have, um, oh man, this is because of how Elsa Lancaster delivers this line. I kept, I kept rewinding it and rewinding it and watching it. It's when she's at the beginning when she's Mary Shelley and they're talking about how like, oh, her book, it's not going to be published. And she says, it will be published. And then she does this head nod. <laughs> and it goes, I think. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> it will be published. Head nod, I think. <laughs> and was, I was just like, I love that. That is a meme right there. Um, 
Sometimes I have wondered whether life wouldn't be much more amusing if we were all devils. No nonsense about angels and being good. Ooh, ouch. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience needs a little something stronger than pretty little love than a pretty little love story. So why shouldn't I write of monsters? Mm-hmm. Mary Shelley. Ooh. Oh man. Old Dr. P saying, I hope her bones are firm. <laughs> Which, <laughs> oh, it cracked me up. Um, also, there's always accidental deaths occurring. Dateline. Uh-huh. And then I like this because Lord Byron, he is, uh, you know, well-regarded and stuff. And he was just so enthusiastic to hear that the net, like what happens next with the monster, Mary Shelley tell us, and he's just super dramatic and says, open up your pits of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Basically like, give me that sweet, sweet new story. Open up your pits of hell. Oh, that makes me so sad. There's not an entire movie based off of her. Yes. I have my final one. Um, Pretorius says to Frankenstein, um, I think, it says, be fruitful and multiply. Let us obey the biblical injunction. You, of course, have a choice of natural means. But as for me, I'm afraid that there is no course open to me but the scientific way, mm. which is um, about, yeah, like he's the thing that goes back with the LGBTQ plus and the, mm-hmm. how he's like, I can't like you can do it that way, but I got to come up with another way. Okay. We are to LVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, my LVP and my MVP are the same thing. Oh, Oh, the dummy getting thrown over the wall. Yeah. It reminded me of what what movie was that screwdriver? No, that I think that was the Juno debacle. <laughs> so when Erin was in high school, every weekend was taken up with filming one of her movies. One involved um Adam falling down the steps? Was it Adam? Well, yes, because he played, Teeny, he played a character named Winston Salem. Oh. <laughs> and he was so dorky. You have to see it. He played the part really well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very dorky. And so he had to fall down the steps. So Aaron made this dummy. And may I say, your dummy and this one were <laughs> equal. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's, uh, I, I was definitely working with, uh, 1935, like mentality. Budget, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was so bad, but it was so good. Yes. That, that reminded me of that as well. Just uh, like a human body doesn't just move like that. It doesn't. <laughs> Other people's LVPs. My LVP is that the monster is not named Frankenstein. And I know that that the whole that the whole freaking part of the that that's Mary Shelley. It's not her fault. Well, it yeah. is her fault. She named the book Frankenstein. And and yeah. we always do and that. now we I it was, I was like 
It was kind of like I didn't I don't even think I found I realized that until we watched this movie last year. That right. the monster that Frankenstein was not the name of the monster. Right. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a name. He's the monster. I would come back. I have now come back around in that the monster is Frankenstein because the monster was birthed by Dr. Frankenstein. So, in fact, he is. So, he he would be a Frankenstein because then he's his son. Yeah, exactly. So, that's his last name. Okay. Well, I see. Okay. There we go. I'm, yeah. So it, well, I guess to, I just don't like this idea that we all think his name is Frankenstein, but then you watch the movie and it's like his name really is not. Like they're refer when they say Frankenstein, they're referring to the doctor and not to right, him. right. Okay. But I was taught a lie as a child. Well, if you like were dressed as the monster, <laughs> people would be. If I was like a five year old, I would be like, I'm Frankenstein. Yeah. Right. No, you're not. You're the monster. I mean, isn't that our relationship to the history of the United States of America at this point? Well, it's still it's... my LVP because <laughs> that's right. My LVP. We were taught a lie. We never taught then... history the right way. That's right. Including mo- monster history. So you should be monster. But that also, can I just bring up the fact that yes. I saw a thing, a TikTok this week, talking about how. The song, you know, the song Monster Mash. Mm-hmm. It was a graveyard smash. But that's not even, that song isn't actually the Monster Mash. The song is talking about a song called the Monster Mash that they talk, that they dance to. So what is the uh, really, what does the Monster Mash song really sound like? We don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh. It was a graveyard smash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's talking about the song. Well, obviously... The Monster Mash song didn't slap as hard as the, the Monster song about Mash. The Monster Mash. Yeah, I think that we, well, you or maybe it did because they had it had its own dance. It's kind of how that song, American Pie, was mm-hmm. more popular than any of the songs that like Richard Richie Valley's and the Big Bopper ever did. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it's all about their deaths. Yeah. But that song is more people know about that song than they know about Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, yeah. and the Big Bopper. I remember getting that history lesson in the car when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you did. Oh, <laughs> uh, my LVP is uh, I put the I guess. It, Oh, I think I messed up on my LVPs. My honorable oh. mention is Minnie, just because. But then it, I went into the the double standard and hypocrisy because Minnie is very shrill and very. She's the maid, and she, she was your LVP. She was very hysterical and and stuff. I I know she was I, over the top. She was I, an over actor, but it, my I problem loved with it. her my problem with her was that her voice, her tone uh. of voice. It's just that meter. It just hits that where it just makes my like my eye just clench and I'm just like, oh, okay. Ah, oh wow. I need to take a step back. But Does then that remind you of your mother at Adam's football games, maybe? I was hey, I was on the camera, so I was usually far away because I was like, we can't blow out the mic on this thing. Um but 
I thought of like the hypocrisy of like hysterical women and how like, oh, the woman's hysterical. She needs leeches and she need you know, like how they would treat her. Yeah, Yeah, but then look at uh, Dr. Frankenstein. You're going to tell me that he's not as hysterical as Minnie? Ooh, but everybody standard. Like, yeah, it was just that. So I guess it's just yeah, that. He wasn't as shrill, though. No, but, but he, he didn't was... make that decibel. But he was, he was hilarious, but he was just, I wanted to smack him a couple of times. He just get it together. <laughs> smack out of it. Get it to, yeah. Where's Cher? He needed a couple of Cher smacks. Okay, so positive reheatables. I've already told you mine. Mine your was negative MVP. and positive. Your MVP was negative and positive. Mm-hmm. Not your reheatables. I have a tie. Mm-hmm. We're doing MVPs. Right. Yeah, yeah. you said reheatables. Oh, well, I didn't notice. Um, my, I have a tie between... Both of the monsters. Yeah. Because yeah. the male monster, I love him so much. He's my, I think he's my favorite monster of all time. Yeah, because he's, he's so my favorite funny. Monster. And he's yeah, really but like, but like he's got like his a good heart. But if you piss him, don't cross him. Don't you get him fire off, in his way. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he likes the like finer fire. things in life. He mm-hmm. would, he likes the finer things. He loves the violin. Mm-hmm. He likes flowers, but he also likes, he loves wine. He loves a good cigar, but he will fuck you up if you cross him. But exactly. also, the bride, a true icon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they nailed her face. You know, she didn't have any scars on her face. Mm-hmm. They nailed her face. They nailed her hair. I and mean, like, they, they she, put it on smooth, that face skin, smooth. And the fact that she was like, no, I don't want this. I don't, I'm not here to be this man's bride. Right. I'm allowed to, to say no. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. No, thank you. Can I get into my tasty nugget about that? You may. Sure. Because I completely butchered my MVP and LVP. So yes, please do it. <laughs> And I am three sheets to the wind, so let's go. <laughs> it's not really a tasty nugget anyway, but so the bride, she's my MVP. There is this year at Universal Studios a it's right there. Universal Monsters, the Bride of Frankenstein lives maze. Oh, that's why I kept season. seeing it. For spooky season, is this is that what made you think of this movie? You kept seeing it. No, I I have always wanted ever since I did Frankenstein, and then when I did uh, Rebecca and saw that he did Bride of Frankenstein, then I was like, I want to do it. Hmm. Christine, I haven't left this apartment except to jog. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's this whole thing about Universal talking about doing more movies based off of their monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, uh, there was a... Bill Condon was set to direct 
the Bride of Frankenstein movie from a script written by David Cope. Yep. Yes. And starring Angelina Jolie, which she would be a terrible not bride. So, like, no, thank you. Well, she would um, not do the last minute of the movie. Yeah, they would change the whole movie to have her in it way more than just the last 10 minutes, which changes the entire film. Yes. Well, this is a film based off. Yeah, well, this this wasn't just that it was going to be this remake. I think it was going to be like a film based off of her. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. Um, Scarlett Johansson signed on for a movie called Bride, which is reportedly about a woman created to be the ideal wife by an entrepreneur, but then rebels from her objective. So could this be oh. that? But anyway, so there could be a movie about the bride in the near future. But now Universal has this Bride of Frankenstein Lives maze. And um, it says to set the scene, visitors walk through the maze, metal music plays in the background, and the bride attempts to remove the monster for some rubble. As the synopsis reveals, her character is back to take her fate into her own bloody hands. The bride becomes an experimenter and creator in her own right, killing off people in the night and placing people in cages to create her own terrifying monsters. It's an incredibly dark take on the tale, but one that had me wanting to relive the scares again to return to the exciting concept. So I love it. I want this to happen. She was like, fuck no, I don't want to be your wife. I'm killing you too. And <laughs> you gotta die. Out. You gotta die. You gotta die. Yeah, you, yeah. you should be out here now. I would mm-hmm. go. But I'm and not- then this, this article writes... She seems to kill the monster, but much like him, she still longs to not be the only monster in the world. Therefore, she starts to push back against humanity and actually kill people in order to harvest their body parts and create horrifying monsters of her own. And perhaps resurrect the monster in the process into her own own perfect mate. This is getting kind of Rick and (laughs) Morty-ish. I'm into it, though. I love the idea of her going around killing people, and then she's like, I'm going to make my own monsters. But also... If I wish I lived in Orlando or LA so I could go to this maze. Yeah. LA. You don't want to live in Orlando. Yeah. It, I mean, I would go, I would only go with, with you all. I'm not going out there by myself. I'm like, there's still a pandemic happening, but I, I you know. Well, if you find yourself in the area, the Bride of Frankenstein lives. You can go to the maze at Universal Studios Hollywood and Orlando. Halloween Horror Nights, which runs until October 31st. Brought to you by Universal. There you go. You have about 20-something days. And it's expensive. (laughs) I'll bet it is. Well, you got the parking, because it's a Universal City Oh, here we go. Larry David. Yeah. Well, it's worth a red-eye flight to me. Well, I would go down to Orlando for a night to do it. You, uh, hello? Oh my gosh! Such just... a much longer flight. Yeah. Well. Okay. All right. I see how it is. My MVP. I I messed this up. So my honorable mention. I think my honor. For some reason, I have Petrorius. Petrorius. Yeah. MVP? And I don't know if I meant it as. I don't know what I was thinking. This is this is Aaron notes here. So I said with a question mark and then I put 
I mean, he what he created was mad impressive. Like he did create those little people. Creepy, but it was pretty damn impressive. But then so I'm pretty sure that I meant this to be my LVP because then I liked how he but I don't know. I cuz I guess I enjoyed this, so whatever. I like I said, I butchered this. Um, I liked when he went and he ate a light meal by his altar that he made in the crypt after they dug up a body, and his <laughs> light meal was basically alcohol and a whole chicken, <laughs> and because that was where the monster was hiding. And then he has the monster works out with the monster a whole plan so that when. Uh, Frankenstein is like, no, this is my wedding night. I'm not going to go leave my wife to just go and and make a bride for this monster that I created. And he's like, oh, go, go ahead and leave now. That that He worked out with the monster that that was code to go kidnap the wife. Like, Man, this guy is evil genius. And yeah. then he pays for a murder to happen, but he does it in a way so that he would completely get away with it in court. He would be like, no, I paid him a thousand crown to find a body that was accidentally dead. I did not. You could, you, you weren't, nobody was there. Nobody saw the wink in my eye when it was like, Freshly dead. Fresh. Hey, you you know that woman you've been stalking? Yeah. Now it's time for you to go ahead and, uh, kill her let me just tell you oh man it is spooky season going out on my morning runs i watched this movie on thursday on my friday morning run when it was dark and cloudy in california and a bit chilly and a little bit windy and a little bit rainy yeah i wasn't looking behind every wall or something waiting for a man to come out and just put it put it abduct me from watching this movie where the innocent young woman just walking down and just gets taken out the game. So, but I went with my real MVP of this was the hermit. Oh yeah. The blind hermit, how he was just, he, and because he was blind himself and he had that whole blind thing down pat, knew everything to do. And it, even though he couldn't see that he was a monster, he, he could sit, he, you know, he could hear and he could tell like, oh, this guy doesn't know how to speak. But just because he didn't know how to speak and communicate, he was still super open minded right. and was like, oh, just because he doesn't have the words to communicate his feelings doesn't mean that he doesn't have feelings. And he took the time and the patience to teach him how to speak and all of that. And it was beautiful. And then, of course, the outsiders have to come in and they can see that he's a monster and they just like ruin everything. And I somebody in one of the articles I read brought up a great point that the hermit was blind. So he was considered an other, an outsider. Mm-hmm. And then there was the monster, obviously an outsider. But that because the hermit also... um Basically, the hermit gets punished for being an ally. So in terms of like racial progress and stuff that if you're even if you are open minded and like an ally and a sympathizer, that the hateful, angry mob would punish you. Right. For that. Like like the people who hid people of Jewish faith during World War Two, they were they were going to be 
killed as well. Well, I'm, you know, I hate to break this to you two ladies, but I'm sure that there's some people who's not too thrilled with you two. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I love the choices you've made, but there are people who would have feelings about that. Yes, there are. <laughs> so we are to recasting, and I did Henry, who is Henry Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And I did Dr. Pretorius. I did I the did... monster Frankenstein, the hermit, Mrs. Frankenstein, Dr. Pretorius, and the bride. Good God. Well, okay. So I'm just going to go with my two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Henry, uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> oh. Come on. He'd be that... perfect. Yeah. Now, Dr. Pretorius, he so had this vibe. I thought it was this person, Alan Cummings. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yes, he totally had Alan Cummings. That's so good, Ma. Thank you. Teeny, did you have one? I didn't this week. I'm sorry to disappoint. Oh, no problems. So Erin will go on her lengthy list. Okay, so for the monster, I put Michael Shannon. He was in, if you've watched Nine Perfect Strangers, he was in that. I think he was okay, in the yeah, Superman movie. Yeah. Um, for Dr. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Because <laughs> I needed, it was very hard. I'm like, I need somebody who can become completely hysterical and just off the wall. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he can um, do that. Yeah. For the hermit, I have Steve Martin. Oh, that's nice. That would be a nice hermit. He would be a nice hermit. Mm-hmm. For Mrs. Frankenstein, I have Claire Foy. Who she can do everything. She, well, the the woman who played her just reminded me of Claire Foy. She she, she I got did. I got very strong um when she was indignant and was like, "No, we are going to." I got very crown vibes. So I was like, uh-huh. "Oh, are we watching the Queen here? What is this?" Um, for Doctor P, Alan Cummings is way better than mine. But yeah, I is. went I went with Eddie Izzard. Oh God! You can't you can't beat Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard is hilarious to me, and he would be so just great and dastardly. And then for the Bride of Frankenstein, I, I needed somebody who had big eyes. I was like, you gotta have big eyes, and you gotta just you gotta have that. You gotta have an it factor and big eyes. I went with Emma Stone. Oh, that's mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, uh, yeah, I like it all. So tasty nuggies. My, I only have two. Mm. With the Hayes Code, they limited the amount of violence and the number of deaths they could have. Oh, mm. that was deaths. I don't Multiple know deaths. And Elizabeth, Mrs. Frankenstein, although it wasn't consummated. Uh, was supposed to die, and her heart was supposed to be put in 
The Monster's Wife. That's what I kept waiting for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although. But it couldn't because of the Hayes Code, if she died, then he would have had to have been punished. Yes. Yes. Unless she died mm-hmm. not at his hands. Remember? Because that was yeah. a whole Rebecca thing. Mm-hmm. Like if she had fallen off the precipice of, you know, if she had gone <laughs> over the wall and tumbled down like the sack of potatoes that they had. Okay, other tasty nuggies? I only had one that Boris Karloff sweated off 20 pounds working in the heavy makeup. Oh, well, Damn. Yeah. Well, part of that with all the makeup is one of the reasons why he he was one of the founding members of the Screen Actors Guild because he wanted protections in place because of all the makeup and how he had to spend so much time in makeup and stuff. So this was 34. When was Wizard 35. of Oz? I thought it was 39. Because the Tin Man, the original Tin Man, was allergic to the silver makeup and they had to switch him out. Mm-hmm. So that was four years later. Hmm. Interesting. What's your other one? No, I only have one. Oh, oh, okay. I have that Universal wanted to make a sequel after they did the previews for the first Frankenstein. They're like, we want to do a second. And James Whale didn't really want to do a second because he didn't want to be pigeonholed as a Mm -hmm. horror director. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but then they made him an offer that he just couldn't refuse. They're like, you can have complete creative control. And so um, this was it got one Academy Award nomination for sound recording. The Claude Rains, remember, he was in Casablanca and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He was mm-hmm. the studio's pick for Dr. Pretorius. Mm-hmm. But James Whale was friends with Ernest and was just like, no, this guy, he's into needlework. You guys don't understand. He's going to nail it. And I thought he was really good. He did nail it because, I mean, he was totally Alan Cummings. I mean, Claude Rains would have been good in it, but just his whole, how tall and lanky he Stature, was. Exactly. And also that you didn't have him to, if it, if it had been now, we would have been like, oh, that's the guy from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so our main man, Clive, the one that played Dr. Frankenstein, he broke his leg before filming the movie. And that's why most of his scenes, he's sitting down or laying down. And the amount of alcohol he was. Oh, consuming and might the, have yeah, to do with it. Just the fact that he was just in the grips of it. Um, I don't think he, I don't think his. um scans of his uh his, his medical scans would have come as clean as mine did mm-hmm. <laughs> no um boris karloff objected or protested to having the monster speak he didn't want them oh yeah to speak. i'm glad they did though i like mm-hmm. i thought it was good they, they overruled him but you'll notice that the monster's face is fuller in this film because in the first one, he took out his partial bridge work. And that's why his cheeks were more sunken in mm. and his face was more drawn. But because he had to speak in this, he had to keep his dental work oh. in. 
Oh, interesting. So his face was fuller. Uh huh. Um. Okay. Remember that I said. So at the end of the first Frankenstein, um, Henry is lying in bed, and in this one, he's still at the windmill. Ah. Uh-huh. So when the the film came out, the when this film came out, the original one, there were still prints of it out where it had the happy ending. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Universal went and they took out the happy ending so that it would make more sense with how this film went. So new prints of Frankenstein were released without the happy ending to make more sense with this film. Right. And so I I don't remember which one that we saw how it ended. If I thought that it just ended and we assumed that he died, but I don't remember. Yeah, if, I thought so too. So then that would be a release, a print that had been recut after this second mm. one to make it make chronological sense. Um, James Whale and a Universal Studio psychiatrist came up with that the monster's mental age was that of a 10-year-old boy and the emotional age of a 15-year-old boy. Oh, so we want him to have some... Uh, he he wants some sex. Like, we could have kept him a 10-year-old boy who just wanted a friend. Mm. Yeah. I don't... And they got to it because, you know, at the time they had... You know, this is before they had a whole bunch of rules in place about child actors, not even saying that what they have in place now is, you know, I mean, this is the wild, wild west. And so they got his vocabulary from the school kids. So just James Whale and the psychiatrist asking the kids, the young, you know, 10 year old (laughs) kids on Universal, filling out the questionnaires and getting their vocabulary and then like, oh, that's the monster's vocabulary. So James Whale and the psychiatrist are just observing the young child stars of Universal and making notes about the monster. Could be creepy, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Wild times. Um, Jack Peace was the Universal's makeup artist. And so remember, Teeny, earlier when you were saying how, like, his hair and, like, they missed the part with the wine and having all of that. So in this film, his hair is shorter because he would have been in the fire and had it Mm -hmm. scorched. So we had less hair. And then as the movie progressed, the wounds would look to heal. So I think that hair grew, right? Yeah, so I think, like, his stitches, like, it wouldn't seep through oh, because it was healing. They were healing. And oh. the wine was like a, like a, a, an antibacterial to clean I those I still wounds. just thought it, would have, it was a mess. That would have been great. I mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, Elsa Lancaster disliked working with Pierce because... She said, quote, really didn't feel that he made these people. He was like a god. Oh, that Pierce really felt that he made the people. He was the makeup artist. And in the morning, he'd be dressed in white as if he were in a hospital to perform an operation. God, get out of here. Mm. Uh, but my ego. Yeah, but look, man, like this, it holds up. You did up. a good job. It mm-hmm. holds That's up. True. That's true. Um, 
the score it closes at uh, the director Whale's suggestion with a powerful dissonant chord, which was intended to convey the on-screen explosion was so powerful that the theater where the film was being screened was affected by it. Ah. Uh, Uh, 2008, the Boston Herald named it as the second greatest horror film after Nosferatu. Wow. There we go. You're welcome, listeners. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, when I watched it the second time, there's a lot of Christian symbolism Mm -hmm. in this film. And I forget what article it was, but somebody made the point that the monster is the inverse of Christ. Whereas Christ was alive, dead, and then came back to life, Mm -hmm. and the son of God. The monster is the son of man and was dead back to life only to go back to death and there's the um when the monster's going like down to hide there's a crucifix and mm-hmm. then when the monster when he's like brought that they put him on a pole and stuff which has mm-hmm. very cru- and like all of that stuff flew under the haze code like they just didn't they didn't they were just like, oh, I guess body count. Like it just went over their heads. Yeah, a yeah, lot of that stuff. They were stuff. looking for blood and sex. Yeah, and like, oh, don't be too homosexual. Because there's once there's one scene where the the film f- focuses on the crucifix, mm-hmm. and then it pans out. I mean, it's very. Yeah, there's a lot face. of like the that kind of imagery in it. Um, and then like just like with the townspeople, how they want blood. And so they're not Christ-like because, uh-huh. you know, but that happens. Um, I read Roger Ebert's review and he said the look, the stark shadows, the tilt shots are very in common with German expression and it, expressionism. Uh-huh. The inspiration from the bride came from Maria, the artificial woman in we got to do this film, 1927's uh, film by Fritz Lang, Metropolis. Oh. And also took the idea for the laboratory from there. So with the platform that lifts up. And then in 1975, Mel Brooks does his famous Young Frankenstein. And that set is on point and uncanny because they found it in storage. And oh, so they, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, so they brought it. They're like, what, it's here? Yes, we're using it for our film. Um, and then I just thought that this was a great quote from Roger Ebert in his review of this film. As mainstream movies have grown steadily more imaginative, and I think this was from whatever, in the early, maybe 20 years ago, because it was the early 2000s. Um, As mainstream movies have grown steadily more imaginative and realistic in their visuals, horror has provided a lifeline back to the greater design freedom of the silent era. To Mm -hmm. see sensational, quote, real things is not the same as seeing the bizarre, the grotesque, the distorted, and the fantasiful. There is more sheer shock in a clawed hand unexpectedly emerging from the shadows than Mm. in all the effects of Armageddon. Because Armageddon looks realistic and horror taunts us that reality is an illusion. 
that's why that's I like Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Well, I believe that is the Bride of Frankenstein. I so think that is. Did you? What do you guys say compared to the first one? Better oh than God, the, uh, so much better. Right? It's one of those so much better rare, contender for my movie of the year for the podcast awards. Mm. Yeah, the um, the sequel that is at there are very few sequels that are better than the original. Yeah, and I thought that this was better than the original. Okay, so uh, I was going to do... Okay, so I had my movie picked. And then I was going to do a... But I'm going to stick with my original. I know what you were going to do. I saw it. You know what I was going to do. And it's going to happen. And I don't know if we can see it. That's the thing. We can, but but, uh, I'm moving on. This one is based on something written by Edgar Allan Poe. The Telltale Heart. It is not. It's also a 1934 movie. Mm -hmm. The Raven. It has Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. Both of them? Both of them. And Edgar Allan Poe? I only know the Telltale Heart and the Raven. Never more, never more. Well, I have more. (laughs) This is called The Black Cat. Mm. And it can be seen on Amazon Prime and Apple Plus. You have to rent it, but Mm -hmm. we can see it those places. And what year is this? 1934. It was 1934, Universal's biggest hit of 1934. Yeah, Universal is the, that's what they're known for in the 30s is those monster movies. So like the The black black cat. Black cat. Well, so at least our POC count has at one least hour and five minutes. You're welcome. Because the <laughs> other one was one hour and 53 minutes. But we will be doing that one in the future. I'm sticking with horror, which is totally out of my wheelhouse. I'm so glad. I was so excited. I was a little, I was unsure. But that's the thing See? with horror is that it's. Like this movie, that's why I like this show is because we're able to watch movies and sometimes it's things that we wouldn't have necessarily picked. Like if you told me like Frankenstein, it'd be like, no, I'm not really into that. Like, okay, exactly. But then you watch these things. You're like, oh, that's not how I thought it was going to be. And I think that's how it is sometimes with horror is that I'm used to the Freddy Kruegers and the Halloweens and and that kind of thing. Right. I think the genre is so ex- more expansive than I get tend to give it credit for. Right. And I like going back to the original to see how, where it all started. Mm-hmm. So, yes, listeners, all right. I back am back. doing horror because we have like three generations here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And our youngest generation has, you know, taken me out of my uh, comfort zone. zone. So there you go, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.